Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The world-famous Superbook Sports is now at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. You can get right in the heart of the action. Catch all of the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. I have been there. It's a fantastic place to watch a game. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. And it's that time of year as we approach the July 4th holiday. Hope you all have a safe, happy, healthy July 4th. Enjoying family, friends, good food, and if it's allowed, fireworks. But it's that time of year in the NFL where it's a bit idle. Uh, This is when players typically take their vacations, take a week off or so before getting back on the grind. Uh, This is where players kind of look to refresh uh, if you will, uh, even the general managers and team executives try to take vacation around this time of year before training camp ramps up on July 27th. But as it always is with the Broncos, it feels like they're never not in the news. And there have been big events in the news this week with the Broncos. Uh, number one, the potential of ownership resolution. Where will that go? We will hit on that topic. Also, one of the all-time great Broncos, Demarius Thomas, retires. What does that mean for his future and the way he will be honored by the organization? And finally, I'll hit on the topic of pro football focus. Ranking the Broncos roster, where do you think they came in? And what does that say about this team as it tries to end a five-year playoff drought, and four straight losing seasons for the first time since 1963 to 1972. But first, let's talk about the ownership issue, which there was another development, a wrinkle, if you will, that developed this week. There was a trial scheduled in Arapahoe County Court July 12th with Beth Bolin Wallace and her sister Amy Clemmer to dispute the trust in that they were challenging that when Pat Bolin, the late uh, owner of the Broncos, made amendments to his trust in 2019, he was not of right mental capacity. So Beth Bolin Wallace leading this charge was challenging the trust on that, uh, basically trying to abolish the trust, saying that they are not acting in good faith here because of the amendments made by Pat Bolin at that time. Pat Bolin stepped away from the daily operations of the team in 2014, and then he is, he died two years ago of Alzheimer's disease. So where does that leave us now? Well, we thought there might be some resolution with the Broncos case because of a trial that was set for July 12th. And in that trial, we had... Beth Bowen-Wallace and her sister, again, Amy Klemmer, they had filed against the three-person trust of President CEO Joe Ellis, 
team counsel Rich Slivka and Denver attorney Mary Kelly regarding the mental capacity of late owner Pat Bolin. That was regarding his mental capacity when those amendments were made over the years. And this trial had been previously postponed. Well, the news this week, this high-stakes trial that could have determined the next Broncos owner has been vacated. Uh, according to court documents I have obtained, uh, that it was vacated. It was a joint motion filed by both sides to vacate this. So it creates some interesting scenarios here. And some of this is educated speculation. Some of it is just speculative scenario. But in some cases and in instances where there's a uh, vacated after a joint motion has been filed, this means the parties, in theory, could be pursuing a settlement. The team, a lawyer, representative beneficiary of the trust, and, and Bowen Wallace all responded to me with no comment when reached this week. Um, so could that mean they're trying to reach a settlement? And this is why there's some of that speculation is because if you take it out of the courts, and again, it's been vacated, so there's no future trial set. Doesn't mean there can't be future trial in the future. There can't be a trial in the future, but for now, it's been vacated. So if you pull it out of the courts, you could settle and have a confidentiality agreement that would prevent any of the public uh, airing of dirty, dirty laundry that would come from a court hearing that I'm sure neither side particularly be fond of having done. But in this case, that is one of the options is you pursue a settlement outside of the court, pursue confidentiality in any settlement, and then move forward. But what does that mean if it's a settlement? Well, there's one of two scenarios here if there's a settlement. One is the Broncos could be the, the five siblings on the one side led by Brittany Bolin, who's the preferred been the preferred choice of the trust to ultimately be the one to take over as the controlling owner. Again, the trust was put in by Pat Bolin to make the decision, determine which sibling, which child would be uh, capable of taking over as the controlling owner of the team. Obviously, there's been disagreement on this, a bit of a Shakespearean drama with five children kind of on one side, uh, Beth Bowen Wallace and her sister Amy Clemmer on the other side. That has created kind of this division to where they could not agree on one person. Now, the trust has said in the past that Beth Bowen Wallace was not qualified, even though she's older. Uh, she has a law degree. She was at one time around the team, and she's had a relationship with Pat. They have said she was not qualified, so it makes sense she would have challenged the trust uh, because of the way they responded to, to her when two years ago she said she wanted to and had the desire to be the controlling owner. After she said that, Beth Bull, uh, Brittany Bolin said that she had desired to be the owner. And she has since been left her consulting firm job, joined the Broncos, and she has been promoted to VP of Strategy, where she leads meetings. She has offices now at both UC Health Center and the stadium. So she is on the fast track to be approved, if you will, by the trust of the children. But the, the, the thing about this is, the children in the eyes of the NFL would have to agree on one child taking over as the controlling owner. That has been an issue. And I've been told repeatedly over the last couple of years, they would never agree, whether it's just two or one, that they would never agree to one child taking over. And so because of that, that's why it's becoming interesting. The NFL has grown, you can tell, a little bit weary of this. They would rather settle stuff through arbitration, not through the courts. But one thing is clear, they want a controlling owner. They have no interest 
and a group of children running the team. And they basically put a kind of a quasi timeline on the trust saying that Joe Ellis's role as CEO, that that would essentially expire as of, you know, March of 2022. So there's a bit of a time element here that either they need to settle and could they pay off Beth Bolin Wallace and Amy Clemmer at a value of, again, roughly, if the franchise, if you trust the Forbes evaluation, valuation of the franchise at $3.2 billion, they would each be due roughly $450 million. I don't know where the franchise would come up with that kind of money in a settlement, certainly not in a lump sum, but if it's a settlement just to remove those two and proceed with the remaining five children and Annabelle Bolin, that could be one. Or it's a settlement that we're not going to go to trial on this. Maybe they go to arbitration with the league, but regardless, we're agreeing that we can't agree and we're going to make this team for sale. So that's something we have to keep an eye on is what does it mean for the future of the Broncos? It does feel like there is a now a time frame here that within the next several months and you know, leading up to March and April, that there would be um, some type of resolution, whether that's a settlement to remove to, whether that's a settlement to pave the way to sell the team. They've been approached uh, according to The Athletic, by th at least three people, suitors, to buy the team. There will be no shortage. There will be five or six main uh, people that will be prepared to move in, whether, again, me speculating, Philip Anschutz, a Peyton Manning group, a John Elway group, uh, NFL group that's approved by the league that has been involved in other pursuits of teams. So there would be no shortage of in terms of finding an owner, even when it's in terms of the billions, the rich of the rich, the NFL value of these franchises continues to increase because of the recent media deals, the popularity of the sport. But we'll see. Will it remain in the Bullen family, which many years ago preferred, but that pendulum has swung when I talk to fans, season ticket holders. They wonder if it would not just be in the best interest for all, for the kids to cash out, get their money, and move on and allow the team to move forward because this is what I would say. Why why would that now be a possibility and why it might not be the worst thing? And we'll talk about that after the break. My Believe in Broncos podcast is sponsored by Hoggett Injury Law. Their motto, with us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for the better part of a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. At those tournaments, we would talk a lot of baseball and a lot of Broncos. He's a huge Broncos fan. We've become friends. In fact, many of Darby's clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGETT. H-O-G-G-A-T-T, or find out more by visiting their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. So, are you hungry? Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, right now, and listeners to my show get free bacon for a year with every box order. That's free bacon for a year with every box ordered. That's one year of bacon. It's the best you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. It's spelled moink, M-O-I-N-K, box.com, slash believe, B-E-L-A-V. That's moinkbox.com, slash believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7, and we'll wrap up the ownership issue here real quickly. 
Uh, again, the reason for selling at this point, because I was of the mind that it'd be the best case scenario a few years ago, keep this in the Boland family. Uh, keep Pat Boland's legacy alive with one of his children, which uh, at one time I think it would have been Johnny Boland. He's had some issues. He's clearly not in line for that. But if it's Brittany Boland, Beth Boland's, but that's, it just doesn't feel like that's possible anymore. And part of the issue here is the team has really, really spiraled over these last few years. You remember when Pat Boland stepped down in 14, the team won the Super Bowl in 15. Since then, uh, since the 2016 season, they've had eight weeks above 500. Uh, they're worse than the Bengals. I mean, they have, last year, they had the 11 touchdowns in the first half. Uh, compare that with the Packers with 39. I mean, they've become boring and bad. Their Monday night football streak has ended. So before, now you can say the business of the Broncos is still good. They'll have sellouts. They have an enormous waiting list of fans who want to go to the games. So the business of the Broncos isn't spiraling, but the on-field product has certainly suffered. And there are instances what I would point to, the lack of leadership, the lack of that Pat Boland voice of the expectation being clear around the building and what excellence looks like. I just think over the last few years, some of that got lost, you know, whether it was because of complacency, whether it was because of just, you know, missteps, whatever. So would it be better for the Boland family to sell? If they can't agree in these next few months, and maybe that comes as part of a settlement, I do think it's time because to continue to drag this out has become unhealthy for the franchise in terms, for me, the on-field product. Now, could that change with George Payton and his leadership group and him as general manager, as John Elway, you know, after the season likely moves on and Joe Ellis moves on? Maybe, maybe, but I just, it's hard now to find that clear pathway of, oh, stay in the Boland family, given everything we've seen transpire the last few years, if they can't, the children, agree on one face, one voice. And if that's not going to be the case, they need a resolution. And selling is always dangerous and risky because you can get a bad owner. Just because someone can afford to buy the Broncos doesn't mean they'll run them well. But when I look at potential ownership groups with a Peyton Manning, maybe even a John Elway, maybe in a Philip Anschutz, you've got people that certainly would excite Broncos country. And I don't know that that was the case four or five years ago when this conversation first started to uh, enter our psyche. So we'll see where it goes. Again, the news is the trial was vacated. Uh, the trial set for July 12th was vacated uh, with both sides filing a joint motion. That could mean the sisters, uh, Amy Beth, uh, Beth Wallace and Amy Clemmer want more time. That could mean there's a settlement in the works uh, that they could then the remaining five pay off those two, or it could mean it's clearing a path to sell the franchise. So a lot of issues uh, still unresolved and it will continue to play out over the next few months as we see the future of the Broncos ownership come, become a little more clear. But now let's go on to the field and talk about Demarius Thomas. And I want to just talk, I mean, he's, he's retired and it was a messy ending here, but let's give Demarius Thomas his due. I mean, four or five years, he was one of the best receivers in the league and the stats bear that out. But in terms of the Broncos, he's the second best receiver they've had behind Rod Smith, the incomparable Rod Smith, who has a legitimate Hall of Fame argument, uh, especially if you know, there's a pathway for Julian Edelman into the Hall of Fame which, again, if, if that's the case, fine. If there is for him, there should be a path for Rod Smith 
into the Hall of Fame as well. But Demarius Thomas, who was drafted in the first round by the Broncos under the Josh McDaniels regime, uh, basically a blocking receiver at Georgia Tech, transformed himself into one of the best tight ends in football. Uh, this is a guy who was 6'3", 6'4", 230 pounds. That weight dropped as he got later in his career. But what Demarius Thomas did in his career with the Broncos, for me, that will end with him being in the ring of fame. And he retired as a Bronco this week. Very smart move. Cool to see those fences mended because uh, it was a messy breakup in his last year with the Broncos when they traded him to the Texans. You know, whether should he have been captain that year, uh, which was uh, awkward, I thought he was, and then he wasn't. And then uh, was his leadership style right? All these kind of weird wrinkles. And then he ends up getting traded when he was told he wasn't going to be traded. Well, he, he bounced around, never really played much after that, uh, other than that half season with the Texans. But Demarius Thomas, for me, uh, the stats speak for themselves. Again, this is a guy who for, is, to me, the second best receiver in Broncos history, won a ring in Super Bowl 50, was their best player in obviously a horrible defeat against the Seahawks. And also, and this is what I heard from talking to teammates, Chris Harris Jr. said that Demarius Thomas made him better. Made him better because of the way he practiced. And he admired Thomas so much because he practiced hurt most of the time. He was a big guy, a big target. He was constantly dealing with leg injuries, calf, knee, hip, something. And he always practiced. And Ryan Harris, also on that Super Bowl 50 team, he told me that Demarius Thomas is the most unselfish receiver he's ever played with. And it goes back to he was willing to make the big play in the passing game, but just equally willing to make a big block to spring a guy. And teammates noticed that because he was quiet. Demarius Thomas was a quiet guy. But when you were in that locker room and I was in that locker room, he demanded respect and just because of the way he carried himself on the field, both in practice, meetings, and, on, and in games. He was very productive and he was tough. He stayed on the field. He never missed games. You go back and look at his career. He was an Ironman. You know, he gets uh, he gets crap for some of the drops, and I get it, and he gets crap for some of the drops because he didn't show unbelievable emotion, you know, and throw the helmet and that. But Demarius Thomas, when you look at his numbers, there's no way around it. He's one of the best receivers in Broncos history, and I think the next step for him will be ultimately entering the ring of fame. I would love to see from that team Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. join him as well. Peyton Manning's obviously in the ring of fame. Uh, but I would like to see a couple more. We know Von Miller will be from that Super Bowl 50 team when his career is over. But, you know, cap tip to Marius Thomas for his work with the Broncos. One of the greatest they've had. And his career will ultimately, as Chris Harris said, using the basketball analogy, his career will end with him being in the rafters at the Broncos stadium. So congrats to Demarius Thomas. And we will now step forward in our final topic and have a little fun with this. Because Pro Football Focus, I'm looking at this, and it's a bit of, I think it got re-released on ESPN because of their partnership, but they recently ranked the top rosters in the NFL, ranked them 1 through 32. And I'll go through this rubric so we're all on the same page here. But Pro Football Focus, they did this exercise, and they put the time in, but they said, um, with the draft and free agency over, they're breaking down every team's roster using their pro football focused database with an eye toward the projected starters. They looked at their PF, 
F grades from last season and projected starters and took a more comprehensive look, kind of looking forward at career stats. And this is how they, they graded them 32 rosters heading into this season with strengths and weaknesses. Any guesses where the Broncos came in? 10th. 10th. And here's what I'm saying. 10th, that is good news for Broncos country. That's reason for optimism. But if that's accurate and they have anything less than 10 wins, the coaching staff should be fired. 10th. Again, I don't see that because for me, there's just so much to prove offensively. You're almost, you're viewing each position in a vacuum. And that's the sum uh, that the parts aren't as great as this sum. But I hope I'm wrong because 10th means they're in the playoffs. Tampa Bay was one. Go to the Kansas City Chiefs, two. No surprise there. Cleveland Browns, three. I think that's a tick high, but they certainly finished strong. Buffalo Bills, four. I'd probably have them three. Ravens, five. Green Bay Packers, six. Los Angeles Rams, I'd have ahead of the Packers because of the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers. They are seven. Dallas Cowboys, eight. That is too high for me because their defense was terrible last year. And I like their draft, but there's no way they're eighth best roster because they're too top-heavy offensively. Ninth are the Vikings, the team George Payton left the GM to become the GM of the Denver Broncos, who are 10th. And they list the biggest strengths, as you might guess. They say that Broncos could have the best secondary of the NFL. Justin Simmons has told me that. Bryce Callahan's applied that. Certainly Ronald Darby has said that. Anything less than a top three secondary would be a disappointment, frankly, because of the addition of Kyle Fuller, of Ronald Darby, of Pat Sertain. Uh, you got three guys who are solid. And Callahan was a Pro Bowl corner last year. But again, he's never played 16 games, and he only played 10 last year. He now can have position versatility. They will be able to play more man. They play a lot of quarters in their coverage. They can be more versatile with their quarters and how that quarters uh, coverage that they use, that Vic Fangio uses, for me, is like a matchup zone in basketball. Now you can do that more because with veterans, you'd have improved communication and you have guys with position versatility in Sertan and in Callahan. And then at safety, Justin Simmons, he's the highest paid safety because he's one of the best safeties. No, There's no not a better center fielder in the league. Kareem Jackson, he will light you up like the Vegas Strip. I think he's got one more really good year in him. So yeah, that's the strength. And if they play that well as we think they will, it's going to create more opportunities for sacks for Bradley Chubb, for Von Miller, for uh, Shelby Harris and Draymond Jones. Defense looks good. Playoff caliber defense. No argument there. But for them to be the 10th best roster, I don't know how you can say that given the uncertainty of quarterback. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is, a, you know, as they say, a slight upgrade over the 2020 version of Drew Locke. But they're basically saying that neither one of them is talented enough to make them a contender in the AFC uh, West and the AFC. I mean, so how are they the 10th best team? So you have a roster where the parts don't fit? Are we saying we have a puzzle where the pieces don't fit? Um, and they list Von Miller as the X factor. I, I mean, I would agree to some degree, but he's not. He can't be the X factor. The factor is simple: quarterback. I was talking to a former player last week and a current player, a current player, and they basically just said the same thing to me. It's a quarterback-driven league. Unless you're functional at that position, it's almost impossible to succeed. I mean, again, good quarterback camouflages more uh, blemishes than Clinique or Revlon. 
If you don't have a good quarterback, you can't win consistently. And everyone keeps telling me how great this defense is going to be. You can't be a great defense if you don't get takeaways. It's hard to get takeaways if your team doesn't lead. The Broncos are 1-15 under Fangio when they trail at halftime. And that's when teams stop taking chances. They become risk-averse. So, yes, I believe Von Miller has a 10-12 to 12 sack season. I would be surprised if he and Bradley Chubb have anything less than 20, anything fewer than 22 sacks. But to have turnovers to make this team special, you're going to have to keep the offense on the field. So if you want to talk X-Factors, I'm talking right tackle. Is it Bobby Massey? I'm talking running back room. Is it uh, Melvin Gordon? and Javante Williams and Boone, giving them kind of a one, two, three, and then a third punch in here to make them uh, able to control the clock and move the chains. And ultimately, the X factor, it's not the X factor, it's the factor. Can Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke or, you know, again, Aaron Rodgers, can the quarterback play improve significantly? That is the only way you can reconcile to me that the Broncos have the 10th best roster. In pro football, that is according to Pro Football Focus. It's a fun co- topic to debate. If you're listening to the podcast and you have a chance, shoot me a text on that. Let me know which, excuse me, a, a tweet. I don't want to be giving out my phone number. get too many texts and calls. But tweet at me at Troy Rink, T-R-O-Y-R-E-N-C-K. Let me know what you think on that. But that's the show for today. I really appreciate you all joining me again. This show it would not be uh, possible without my sponsors of Superbook Sports. They have that great uh, now sports book up at the Lodge Casino. I've been there. It's fantastic. Uh, Darby Hoggett, his injury Hoggett law firm. Check them out if you have a chance, if you have a need in a situation that falls under that umbrella. And also I want to thank my son Dagan, who does unbelievable work in between his full-time job of producing these podcasts. So I do this podcast for you, Broncos country. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.